0: The following is a message from Christ the King Presbyterian Church in Roanoke, Virginia. For more information about the ministry of Christ the King, please visit us at ctkroanoke.org. Good morning. Good morning. Welcome to Christ the King. Uh, For those who don't know me, my name is Penny And I am the pastor here, and uh, it is good to be with you. And if you are, excuse me, if you are joining us, maybe for the first time, you're joining us at the end of a sermon series on the fruit of the Spirit. So for a number of weeks now, we've been uh, looking at these different fruit. Paul contrasts the fruit of the Spirit in Galatians 5 with the fruit of the flesh, and there he says that the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. And so we've been looking at these fruit, taking them one at a time, and this morning we come to the second to last of the fruit of the Spirit. Now one of the reasons why we've been looking at the fruit of the Spirit is because as followers of Jesus, as those who are seeking to grow in our faith, we're to be more and more like Jesus, right? We're to put aside and we're to turn away those aspects of our life that are in contradiction to Jesus, but growing in Christ's likeness isn't simply saying no to things, right? That's often how maybe we contemplate the Christian life. Maybe that's how our world views what Christians are. We're just a p- bunch of people who say no, <laughs> right? We're, we're don'ts kind of people, right? Don't do this. Don't do that. That's what the Christian life is about. And certainly there are a lot of don't commandments, to name a few, at least ten, right? <laughs> right. Do not commit adultery, do not covet, do not steal, etc. There are many don'ts in the Christian life, but the Christian life, there's also a lot of do's, right? There are a lot of things that we are to do. We are to put off sinful ways, but we're to put on holiness, pursue truth, embrace what is beautiful, right? And the free of the Spirit are do's. We're not simply to be people who resist apathy and indifference and People who are angry and bitter, but we are to do love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. In fact, I would actually say that as Christians, we should be known more by what we do and less by what we don't. That when the world looks upon us, they should see what we are for and what we are promoting and what we are about more than what we are against. And this morning, we're going to focus on one of those things that we're for. One of those things that we should be promoting in our own lives and in the lives of others. The second to last of the fruit of the Spirit, gentleness. And to look at gentleness, we're going to begin by looking at Matthew chapter 11. And so if you have a Bible, you can turn to Matthew chapter 11. We're going to look at verses 28 through 30. If you don't have a Bible, you can follow along in the Bibles in front of you and the chairs in front of you, we're also going to project the passage on the screens in front of you. Now, before I read uh, Matthew 11, I want to do a little thought experiment. I want you to think, when I say the word gentle, about what comes to your mind. What are the things that you think about when you hear gentle or gentleness? Well, if you're like me, I imagine that you're thinking about things that are, are soft things that are cushiony, things that are maybe cuddly, right? Maybe you think about kittens, right? Maybe you think about uh, maybe pillows. Pillows are gentle, they're soft, they're kind of nice to touch. Maybe you're thinking about children and infants, right? Maybe you're thinking about the way that you need to be when you're engaging with children and infants. Our nursery opened today, and many of you I know have signed up to, to volunteer, and so maybe you're thinking about, well, I'm supposed to be gentle when I'm engaging with children and infants. And those would all be appropriate. But I imagine that when we think of gentleness and we start thinking about our own lives as adults and as we've grown and as we've matured and as we're interacting with one another and not interacting with children or, or infants, that maybe gentleness isn't something that comes to our minds. Maybe that's not what we think about. That gentleness is fine when we're interacting with the weak or with the immature, but, but when we're engaging with adults and, and the mature, that's not really a quality that we seek to embody. I mean, think about our leaders. When we espouse the the virtue of leadership, do we think that person would be a great leader? They would be a wonderful CEO. They would be the best elder or deacon. They would be the person that we would want to lead the business because they are gentle. Is that what goes through our minds? No, because you remember that phrase, right? That phrase that's very popular in our culture and has been for some time, nice guys finish where? Last. Last. We don't want nice guys leading. We don't want gentle people leading. What we want are firm people, people who are hard-nosed, who are willing to do almost anything to get the job done. That's the way our world looks at, gentle, or looks at leadership, doesn't it? Gentleness, that, that is not what we want in our leaders. And sadly, that's the way that the church has sometimes adopted this view of leadership as well. I mean, just think about the people that we listen to online, the people who get all the tweets, the people who get the the retweets and the, the voices that we listen to, right? It's not the gentle, it's not the kind, it's not the caring, it's often the angry and the shrill. Those are the people that we go and we listen to and we click on again, right? We become like those people driving down the road and we can't help but stare at the accident. We can't help but listen to the shrill and the angry voices, Because for us, somewhere along the way, we've thought that gentleness is a sign of weakness and not a sign of strength. But is it? Well, let's read Matthew 11. Jesus says, beginning in verse 28, Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart. And you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Friends, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let me pray for us. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. And ask that as we come to it now that you would stir in us new affections. Stir in us new desires, new longings for the fruit of the spirit to be manifest in our lives. Father, we pray that you would cultivate this fruit in our lives so that we would be a people of gentleness. So we ask that you would help us now. Open our eyes, soften our hearts, enlighten our minds so that we would see you and walk with you. We pray in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. So we see that biblically speaking, gentleness is actually not a quality of the immature or the young. Gentleness is actually a mark of the mature. I mean, that's what Jesus said, right? I am gentle and lowly. That's what he says. And the Apostle Paul in 1 Timothy chapter 6, he says, the man of God is to pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, steadfastness, and gentleness. That the the mature believer, the one who's walking with Jesus, the one who's seeking to embody what it means to be a Christian, is one who embodies gentleness. That gentleness is a sign of maturity. Not a sign of the immature. So think about it like this. Have you ever played catch with a two or three year old? Have you ever done this? I remember when Cole was like two or three, we used to play catch. Um, believe it or not, we've been playing catch with Cole for a long time. <laughs> you know, baseballs just are part of our lives. So we would sit there, you know, and Cole would be in the kitchen. He'd be sitting on the ground and we'd roll him a ball and I'd just be two or three feet away from him and I'd stretch out my hands and I'd go, okay, Bubba, you know, toss it, throw it. You know, right here, right here, right? And he's two or three, and he takes the ball and he winds up and boom, right? And it would come flying past my ear because he throws it way too hard for how close we are to one another, right? And so what do I do? Well, I run and I picked up the ball and I come back and I'm two or three feet away and I roll it back to him. And now this time I hold out my hands and I say, okay, Bubba, you know, um, a little bit lighter. <laughs> a little softer, a little gentler, right? And because he's two or three, he understands everything that I'm saying. He's like, okay, dad, no problem, right? He picks up the ball and he goes to toss it to me just a little bit lighter, right? Just a little softer. He goes and he winds up and, foom, he goes flying past me again. And what was amazing was it didn't matter how many times I told him a little softer, a little gentler, just, you know, just kind of lob it to me, bub, just lob it. You know, it didn't matter how many times I told him, he couldn't do it. He couldn't do it because to just throw it softly, to throw it gently, requires a touch. It requires, actually, a strength that a two- or three-year-old doesn't possess. You see, he's not able to throw it gently. He's not able to just lob it. He's not just able to do it softly until his body has matured, until he has grown and he has actual some self-control over his body, and he can control his muscles. You see, he can't be gentle when he's immature. And that's true not just of two or three-year-olds who are trying to throw a ball, who are learning how to play catch. It's true of us. It's true of us. You see, a lack of gentleness is not a sign of maturity. It's a sign of immaturity. Gentleness is not something that we grow out of. It's something that we grow into. The more mature person is going to be the gentler person. To be mature is to be gentle. And when I say mature, I'm not talking about age. I'm talking about character. That those growing in faith, that those cultivating the fruit of the Spirit, that we are to grow in gentleness. And so the question that we should be asking ourselves, well then what does gentleness look like? But the better question is actually who does gentleness look like? And who gentleness looks like is Jesus. That's what he tells us, right? He calls himself gentle and lowly in heart. Now, what's amazing about that is that Jesus doesn't say, I act gently. I want to be gentle. He says, I am gentle. That this is who he is. And so because this is who Jesus is, it should cause us to rethink our notions of what gentleness is. Because Jesus, the ideal man, The one in whom we are being shaped and reformed into his likeness. When he has opportunity to disclose what characterizes himself, what does he say? I am gentle. That this is who Jesus is. He is gentle. And what we see is that out of his gentleness, Jesus invites us to himself. Because he is gentle, he invites. That's how the passage began. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden. Come to me. Come to me, the burdened and the worn down and the heavy laden. Come. Jesus invites to himself. And y'all know what it's like to be heavy laden, to be heavy laden from the stress of work. You know what it's like to be worn down, to be pursuing good. And yet met with resistance. You know what it's like to be burdened, either by your sin or by a loved one. You see, friends, the truth is, is we are the burdened and the warden down and the heavy laden. And what does Jesus say to us? He says, come. He invites us into his presence. Come not to be dulled of your burden with alcohol and sex. Come not to ignore your weariness with false happiness. Come not to mask your heaviness with approval or work he says come to me and when we come to Jesus we find not just someone who sympathizes with our weaknesses we do that that's what the book of Hebrews tells us but we have more than that because Jesus when he invites us to himself he provides for us out of his gentleness he provides rest that's what verse 28 says Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. And then at the end of verse 29, he says, you will find rest for your souls. Rest. That sounds pretty good, doesn't it? I mean, over the last 15 to 18 months, doesn't rest sound pretty good? Over the last two to three months that some of us have experienced, rest sounds pretty amazing, doesn't it? You know, as I was thinking about this idea of rest, um, I remembered uh, an interview that Eugene Peterson gave a number of years ago. Eugene Peterson was a a pastor in the Baltimore area. He's written a countless number of books, many of which I've, I've benefited greatly from. And he was in this interview reflecting on his own ministry as a pastor. And he said this, I was wearing myself out. I remember thinking, I'm like a puppy dog. Somebody throws a Frisbee and says, get it. And I run and get it, and I come back to do it again. Fetch was the one word I knew really well. I did a lot of fetching, but I never learned how to sit. I never learned how to sit. Now, y'all don't have to be in ministry. You don't have to be a pastor. You don't have to be a leader in the church to feel what he's expressing Do you because we know this we're running kids from place to place we're hearing the concerns and needs of friends we're knowing the fears and worries of family we're bearing with one another's burdens it feels like we're doing a lot of fetching doesn't it and yet when jesus invites us to himself he doesn't stand over us with arm pointed and bark fetch he doesn't stand with his arms crossed and yell work harder he doesn't stand with disappointment and say, I can't believe you're still weighed down. No. Instead, what he does is he, inv- he gently invites us into his presence and says, I will give you rest. He doesn't say fetch. He says sit. He says rest. And it's not just physical rest, but it is rest for our souls. Rest from weariness and from burdens. And so I don't know where you are today, but if you are hearing Jesus call, then come. He invites us to himself so that we would find rest. And what's wonderful about this rest is that it's not a sim- simply ceasing from activity. No, in Christ, rest is actually active. I know that might sound strange, but in Jesus, it's true. Because he says, take my yoke upon you and learn from me. My yoke is easy and my burden is light. The yoke of our burdens and of our labors, it is replaced with Jesus' yoke. And we know what a yoke is for. right? The yoke is placed on the shoulders of the ox and it's used so that the driver of the ox can direct the ox where it's to go right on upon which path it's to take, but it also prohibits, it prevents the ox from going in its own way, from going astray, from wandering off. The yoke redirects the ox in the way it is to go. And that's what Jesus gives us. He doesn't remove the yoke of burden. He doesn't remove the yoke of heavy ladenness and just leave us be. He replaces it with his yoke so that we would follow him. That we would not be led astray, but that we would follow him and find rest. That he would direct us in the way that we are to go. You see, he gives us his yoke so that we too would walk in gentleness. So that we would be people of gentleness. That's actually what the Apostle Paul talks about in Ephesians chapter 4. When he says, I therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called, with all humility and gentleness and patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. Walk in a manner worthy of your calling. And what is that manner? It is gentleness. That is the yoke that Jesus gives us. So the question we need to ask ourselves then, who are we to be gentle with? And what Paul tells us in that passage is we are to be gentle with one another. Walk in a manner worthy of your calling with all humility and gentleness with patience. Bearing with one another in love. You see, gentleness is to be a mark of our living together. But y'all, the truth is, is that those that we know and we love the most are often the ones that are hardest to be gentle with. Right? I mean, I, I know that sounds counterintuitive, but it's true, isn't it? I mean, think about the people that we lose our temper with the most. Think about the people that we are quickest to use abiding word with. I mean, isn't it our family, our spouse, our children, our parents, our siblings? Isn't it with our closest friends? And we do this because there is this comfort and familiarity that we have with them that causes us to be less guarded and to be freer to speak and more willing to act in ways that we normally wouldn't because we know they love us. And we start presuming upon their grace. And friends, we do this not just with our families, but we do it with the church, with one another. And yet, the mark of maturity not just as individuals, but as a body, is that we'd be gentle with each other. I mean, do you remember what the Apostle Paul says in Galatians chapter 6? He says, Brothers, if anyone is caught in any transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him in the spirit of... Now think about this. The one who has fallen into sin the one who is transgressing, the one who is doing damage to themselves and to the body. How are we to restore them and respond to them? With strictness? With harshness? With severity? No. In a spirit of gentleness. You see, that is how we're to engage with each other. But it's also how we are to engage with the world. I remember after I became a Christian in college, um, the campus ministry we were a part of, they they really emphasized uh, scripture memory as a part of our regular spiritual disciplines. And so we're just memorizing scripture. Like I was walking around with like pockets full of like note cards with scripture and I'd just sit there and I'm trying to re- memorize them as much as possible. And I had those boxes. Did some of y'all have those like scripture memory boxes? You would flip through them just just me. Okay. But anyway, um, so we I would do this. And one of the passages that they had us memorize was a passage out of 1 Peter chapter 3. It's verse 15. I bet many of you know this passage. You've probably studied it. Maybe you've memorized it. And I loved this passage when I was a young Christian. And I remember memorizing it, and this is what it says: In your hearts, honor Christ the Lord as holy. Always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for the reason. For the hope that is in you. And that's where I stopped. It was awesome. I didn't have to go on because, because it told me what I was supposed to do. It gave me my marching orders, right? Be prepared. It gave me my instructions. Make a defense. And so there I was, right? I'm ready to go fill my head with knowledge and verses and with everything that I need. So when someone comes to ask me about the hope that is in me, I can destroy them with my arguments. Right? That was my cage stage Christianity. (laughs) Some of y'all don't know what that is, but you've seen it. (laughs) That's how I thought about it. That's where I stop with my memorization. But, But if you go on, the Apostle Peter says this, always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for the reason for the hope that is in you yet do it with gentleness and respect. Did you hear that? Declare why you have hope. Declare what is true and right. And declare it with gentleness and respect. You see, friends, even when we're engaging with those who aren't Christians, as we befriend those who see the world differently than we do, our engagement with them is to be gentle. Not, how could you believe such drivel? Not, these people are simply immoral thugs, but with gentleness and respect. So I wonder, who are the people in your lives? Who are the people in your midst that you need to be gentle with? You know who they are? Everyone in your life. <laughs> we don't get to decide that. We don't get to decide, you know what, this person I can just be a jerk to. And this person I'll be kind to. No, we, we are to be people of gentleness and respect. And just imagine what it would look like if this is what our community was known for. Not, not that we would waver on the truth, Not that we would would, uh, turn away from what is right, but that even as we held to the truth, we would do so with gentleness, with kindness, with care. Well, very practically, we can actually start this in our midst today. Not just by the words that we use and the way that we engage with one another, but we can actually start with this by thinking about our leaders. Today, we opened officer nomination Right? And for the next month, for the month of June, we're going to be taking nominees, right, from members of our church. You guys can submit nominations of men that you think should serve as elders or deacons. And the elders, the session will review that and will train them. And then some of these men might come and be elected. And as you're thinking about who it is that you would want to be an elder or a deacon, you should have these questions running through your mind. Questions like, if I was in sin and caught in transgression, and I was sitting confessing to this man that I am about to nominate, would he be gentle with me? You should ask the question, if I was to invite my non-Christian neighbor or friend or co-worker to lunch with this person, this man that I'm about to nominate, and I was to invite them to lunch and they were to sit with this person, Would my non-Christian friends see gentleness in him? And friends, the truth is, is that if the answer is no, then you should not nominate that person. Because gentleness is to be a mark of all of us, and it is especially to be a mark of leaders. Bob, in his prayer, (laughs) prayed that he's not known for gentleness. But that was false humility. He didn't know I was going to say this I didn't plan on saying it but he teed it up for me in his prayer but any one of you who has sat with Bob and you've talked about your sin and you've talked about your struggle know that behind that beard and that grisly voice is a gentle soul and y'all that's what we are to be that is what we are to be Gentleness is to be true of us all, but even more true of our leaders. And so we are to be a people who are gentle with each other and with the world. And y'all, I actually saw this on display in an old letter that I came across a couple weeks ago. It was an old letter written by John Newton. Many of you know that name, John Newton. You might know it because of his story of being a A slave trader who then became a christian who renounced his slave trading and supported william wilberforce and those who sought to abolish the slave trade in great britain many of you might know him because of his hymn writing the author of the wonderful hymn amazing grace but what you might not know is that this wonderful pastor and hymn writer and former slave trader was actually a wonderful writer he wrote letters He corresponded with people, and there are actually volumes of his letters that have been preserved. And there's this one letter that he was writing to a young pastor. I don't know the pastor's name, and and I don't know if any of us do, actually. But he was writing to this young pastor who was about to engage in this theological debate, this theological struggle with another man. It was really a controversy. And this is what he wrote. I'm actually, we're going to project it on the screens because it's long. I normally don't do this, but, but I want you to be able to hear these words. He wrote to this man who's about to engage in theological discussion, argument. He says, if you account him a believer, the words of David to Joab concerning Absalom are very applicable. Deal gently with him for my sake. The Lord loves him and bears with him. Therefore, you must not despise him, excuse me, or treat him harshly. The Lord bears with you likewise and expects that you should show tenderness to others from a sense of the much forgiveness you need yourself. In a little while, you will meet him in heaven. He will then be dearer to you than the nearest friend you have upon earth is to you now. Anticipate that period in your thoughts, and though you may find it necessary to oppose his errors, view him personally as a kindred soul, with whom you are to be happy in Christ forever. But if you look upon him as an unconverted person, he is a more proper object of your compassion than your anger. Alas, he knows not what he does, but you know who has made you to differ." If God in his sovereign pleasure had so appointed, you might have been as he is now. And he, instead of you, might have been set for the defense of the gospel. You were both equally blind by nature. If you attend to this, you will not reproach or hate him, because the Lord has been pleased to open your eyes and not his. Of all people who engage in controversy, we who are Calvinists, and by the way, Calvinists are Presbyterians, (laughs) Or maybe Presbyterians are Calvinists. And so you can't say, well, that's them. (laughs) No, it's us. We who are Calvinists are most expressly bound by our own principles to the exercise of gentleness and moderation. So you hear what he's saying, don't you? It's a long passage, but you hear what he's getting at. He's saying that those who are not gentle with those in the church and those outside of it, they either have never truly known the gentleness of the Lord or they have forgotten it. But that those who know Christ's gentleness, who have heard his invitation, who have experienced his gentle rest, we, of all those in the world, should be the most gentle because Christ has been gentle with us. Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we do thank you that while we were sinners and while we were in rebellion against you, that while our eyes were darkened towards your grace, you were gentle with us. For it is when we were still in our sin that you sent Jesus to die for us. And so we pray, Lord, that as recipients of your gentle care, that we would be ambassadors of that gentleness to one another and to this world. And so we pray that you would help us. Remind us of the gentleness you have shown to us and teach us to be gentle to the world. Help us, we pray in Christ's name. And God's people said together, amen.